0: Hi, it's Dickens Oleo here. Um, If you've been checking out my podcast feed, you know I've not done an episode in a while. Uh, But I wanted to to do one uh, because I'm preparing for a career change. And I'll be taking a step back from active reporting. Uh, And I wanted to share this conversation I had recently with my friend, Freddie Joey. And it's basically um, full of reflections uh, and some beliefs. Uh, on where, uh, in my view, where journalism is at uh, and especially uh, uh, on, on, on the continent and in my belief actually that the media uh, on the continent should default to a crisis mode. So yeah, listen and uh, let me know what you think.
1: So Deacons, you are in the process of making a major transition in your career as a journalist. Tell us about that. How's that going?
0: I'm kind of saying that I'm taking a, a back seat on, from frontline journalism, and it's been a really interesting time for me because I've been thinking about not just about my time at the BBC, but uh, you know my time at. Um, Uh, the Star newspaper where I worked uh, in Kenya, and just basically about journalism. And that's kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of reflect on that before I move on to the new role.
1: So, reflection, Mm -hmm. What, what are you reflecting on? You know, you've been in, you've been a journalist for two decades now, is that right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I can say you're dating me, but uh, (laughs) it's it's yeah. I've been a journalist for a long time, um, and you know one of the things that um, I I don't think I've I've ever kind of spoken publicly about this, but probably just to close friends. But my start in journalism was almost like you know I almost I became an accidental uh, news vendor uh, where. Um, I used to live where I grew up, actually, uh, in Nairobi. Just across the road was a newspaper vendor, and I noticed that this guy used to leave the the, the newspaper stand, and he would get into matatus and you know buses to try and sell his newspaper. So he essentially left the the stand unmanned. And so what I just I just approached him and said, you know. Can I man the newspaper stand as you sell your newspapers in the buses? And he was like, yeah. And in exchange, obviously, um, this was, you know, I wanted to read the newspapers. And, uh, you know, that excitement, that interest in storytelling, I think is kind of what has influenced me throughout. And right now, I'm kind of, you know, I am a strong believer in journalism, I believe journalism plays a really important role um, in, 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 in any country, and, uh, and in this case hopefully it's, you know, I'm talking about uh, journalism that has some sort of degree of, uh, of freedom to kind of do this kind of stories that they want to do. So I've been reflecting on what, you know, the role storytelling does uh, in communities uh, and the power that it has in a country and and that's kind of what I wanted to kind of just you know discuss with you and because I know you also are in this space as well. And you know i I'm curious about you know you are obviously a, a journalist, you're a, a you became, you're a lecturer, you're a trainer. And I wonder whether you've also had this you know where your reflection is about where this industry is at? I mean, what are kind of those key areas that you kind of think about?
1: Well, you know, being being a journalist is quite an interesting... Is it a job? No, no, no. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. i actually
0: argued that I think journalists <laughs> should get a lifestyle allowance because we just never, you never clock off, you know.
1: Yeah, so for me, it's, it's not a job. It's just something that I do. And I think being a journalist means you are... You are the person, I am the person who tells stories, you know. If you look at my profile, I describe myself as the African storyteller because Mm -hmm. I live on this continent, and the stories that happen here are the stories that I experience, and so it only makes sense that I write stories about, you know, people, businesses, uh, politics in Africa. So, you know, I'm a storyteller, Mm -hmm. you know. I think that's what journalism really is. It's about telling stories that matter to people, stories that bring issues to life. Sometimes they're really sad stories, and sometimes they're they're happy stories. But before we talk more about myself, mm-hmm. um, Deacons, this is really your moment. You know, you've mentioned, you know. Uh, vending newspapers from the streets of Nairobi and scaling all the way up to a global newsroom Mm -hmm. at the BBC in London. Mm -hmm. What were some of your highs and lows, you know, being um, um, a reporter, a producer, a storyteller Mm -hmm. in a newsroom that's actually at the center of the world?
0: Wow. Um, So I think one one of the things that um, you do appreciate, especially working for a global organization, is... Mm -hmm is essentially the fact that, you know, when I used to work for a local newspaper, which is obviously obsessed with um, the national local interest, but then suddenly you work for a global news organisation and then it's now a challenge, essentially, uh, uh, to make that local story that you think is really interesting uh, and kind of do it and, and shape it in a way that kind of appeals to uh, to a global audience. But I think for me, one of the things that I think, uh, looking back for the last six years I've been at the BBC, one thing I appreciate uh, is that literally at least once a week, sometimes even twice a week, uh, I was, uh, as part of uh, um, my role, uh, I was aggregating um, content, uh, mostly sourced from... Uh, you, uh, the media on the continent. So I got a very good window uh, m- and experience of looking at how Africa covers itself. You know, what are kind of those dominant um, stories that the African newspapers, the African TV stations and the African radio uh, stations and, uh, and, and, and um, you know, all these news sites that have sprung up over the years... And it was really interesting to see that, and one of the things that uh, surprised me sometimes is just how predictable, uh, you know, the coverage was. It was obviously very heavy on politics, very um, much centered on the powerful and the elite, um, and 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 and. And, you know, sometimes you do struggle with that because these things are happening on the continent. You know, the wars, the, uh, you know, the disease outbreaks, and those are equally important stories. But I think for me, one thing that, that I think I, I was o- obsessed with is how do we make sure that even in those stories uh, that are happening on the continent, good or bad, that these stories are kind of told by the people who are living through these experiences and the experts, uh, some of them who are researching them um, and and trying to find solutions to some of these problems. Now, yes, they are bad stories, but they're equally very, very good stories, uh, uh, or rather good news stories, and those should also be told. But I think one of the places that I think the media uh, in Africa uh, you know, cast kind of neglected is, you know, kind of telling not just the good, the bad, but also the possible, you know, and for me, the possible is essentially the media seeing its role, not as some sort of like uh, uh, a peripheral uh, actor, but really involved in the lives of people. and. I know some people think that this is not the role of the media, but I think the media should advocate for the people, the communities they cover. I mean, after the, you know, at the end of it all, we claim, the media and journalists claim, that we speak for the people. Now, if we speak for the people, then I think we should advocate for the people. If people don't have clean water, uh, I think it's the role of journalists to figure out why don't they have clean water? And, and how can storytelling help to make sure that that issue becomes front and center of public conversation, so that people can get clean water. Yeah.
1: So, if you're joining us, you know I'm talking to Dickens about his major transition um, in his career, and I started off by exaggerating how many years of experience he's got. And I say two decades, <laughs> but I think really journalism is, like we said earlier, you know, it's it's a lifestyle, and this is something you start even before you become a professional who's paid for the job. And so when I say two decades, I think you've been a journalist
0: all your all life. my life, exactly. <laughs> really. That's a good so. way of cleaning it up. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: so, you know, you've talked about, you know, the role of journalism, you know, being a voice for the people. And you're concerned that um, sometimes journalism is really, you know, being mm-hmm. a voice for the powerful and the elites, which is something we can't run away from because because of the media ownership, um, the way the media ownership so. is structured. Um, I wonder what your thoughts are on, you know, the situation of journalism right now, not just in Kenya or Africa, but globally. I think there's been a clawback on media freedoms. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I mean, to be honest, um, I, I track, um, and I've actually done stories about this looking at uh, you know, media freedoms across uh, the world, and it's true. We are at the point where, I don't think we are mark timing, we are definitely regressing in terms of media freedom, and a number of things, you know, there are a number of factors you know, uh, that are contributing to that but i don't want to focus on those external factors i i i, I always think um that we as journalists and, and the media industry should be very self critical I, I don't think we are very good at that we don't like doing it uh but i think we need to do that it's a necessary thing to do there was a um I, i've mentioned this a lot i because i track afrobarometers um, you know, surveys on on different issues. And one of them that has really got my uh, attention and interest is how, you know, kind of the opinion of Africans when it comes to media freedom. And one of the questions they asked one time, I think this was probably three years ago, was the question I think was something along the lines of uh, do you do you think the government should have an editorial role, um, or rather, the government should have a role in the process of, you know, publishing, for example? And there were many African countries, uh, even in in Kenya, for example, where yes, the the public said no, the government should not have a role, but you know, about forty percent of people felt that the government should have a role in the in the uh, in the editorial process. And I think, I mean, who's... I mean, what's contributed to that? In my view, I think the media has contributed to that. I think we need to be very transparent about our processes. We need to be, you know, if we, definitely as I was saying, if we speak for the people, well, we better act like we, uh, we, you know, if we claim that we are speaking for the people, we better act like that we are indeed speaking for them. Uh, and and I think we also need to invest in being in, in trust. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, I've seen this, uh, and this is is pretty much not uh, an African media thing. It's it's a global media thing where uh, we are obsessed with measuring impact on cl- you know using clicks, you know, and all this online virality rather than looking at, for me, impact that actually, we should be obsessed about the impact, the offline impact, and the impact should be measured in, you know, what are the uh, real life consequences of the stories that we tell. And I think if you look at, uh, if, if you look at kind of, you asked me the question about, you know, global media freedom, but if you look at the trust, the trust, the trust measure of journalists, it's going down, and I think journalism, or other journalists and the media at all, uh, has contributed to that. There are other factors, of course, but I think we also need to do a much better job.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think some of the reasons that make audiences... You know, probably not think that journalism is not that necessary it's because we have social media and yeah. all the breaking news is there. And I think before social media, we used to have the
0: scoop. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we were, you know, uh, we, we, we were the agenda setters, you know. Um, I remember there was uh, years ago, there was, I forget what the name of the program was, but it was kind of like a... a f- um, an entertainment show. I think it was on uh, KBC uh, in Kenya, and they used to have this tagline that, if I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, it was something along the lines of, if it didn't, uh, if it was not in our show today, it didn't happen. So essentially, it was saying that we are the agenda setters, um, and we, are, you know, we are the destination of knowing about what's happening around you. That's no longer the case. Um, you know the media processes have been democratized um, there, there have been arguments for uh, for and against as to whether that is good for journalism but I think uh, I think it's a positive thing. Um, I think the fact that journalists suddenly are being held to accountable uh, to account um, on the stories they do on their views, uh, unfortunately sometimes that goes overboard and there's bullying and that's really, that's wrong but I think the fact that now journalism has is, is almost in a it, it seems like it, it's been forced to be uh, it is being forced to be accessible um, and I think that's really good for journal, journalism but I think one thing that is unfortunate is that and especially this especially with Twitter you find a situation where what is trending has now become the default voice of the people and that is misleading and it's kind of incredibly unfortunate that that is what we have centred as kind of uh, you know the the, the sum total of of public opinion and and I think that uh, it's I always say that what is trending, or you know, whatever insights we glean from the social media sites, they tell us something, but not everything. And I think that's that, that's that's where um, you know the focus should be because they are incredibly amazing and complex um, views and opinions outside those platforms, and it's usually. Uh, especially with Twitter, mostly used by a minority, but a very vocal and influential minority.
1: Yeah. Well, this conversation is really about you and we don't want to make it into a social media analysis. But to be honest, in, in this day and age, it's impossible to talk about journalism or your career as a journalist without. Um, looking at social media. I remember when I joined the newsroom, mm-hmm. I was one of the first reporters to have taken up the mobile first journalism. Mm-hmm. So I'd be reporting on my mobile phone and that didn't go down so well with some of my senior mm-hmm. colleagues because they thought this is an addition on my job <laughs> yeah. description and yeah. we haven't discussed with management on how much you know, is going to be added on my payslip because I'm taking on um, roles in social media. But I think social media is a Blessing to journalism because it's relieving journalism of the crazy chase for the scoop mm-hmm. and leaving you time to do the in-depth analytical pieces, the the long t- uh, the long-form pieces that you know you probably need a month or more um, to create. So, as you were leaving frontline journalism, you know what did you say? to our colleagues who are still in the newsroom and they're probably bombarded with so much, you know, information on social media and uh, probably turning between do I go with the trend or do I stop and dig a bit deeper?
0: Yeah, I mean t- to, to be honest, what, one of the things that I think um, I think, that, you know, instead of addressing um, what you can probably call, uh, you know, lower level stuff, I think Editors uh, and uh, editors who have control um, and influence um, should try and sometimes just step back. Um, I think that sometimes leadership uh, in newsrooms sometimes stifles innovation. Um, And (laughs) one of the did you feel stifled? Well, I I have a lot of stories to tell about (laughs) feeling a bit stifled. I think sometimes. Um, and, and this is you know in, in all the places I've worked where I think that sometimes um, you know they they they, are, they don't they need to have um, some sort of a level of awareness where they will, will for example you're know, talking about social media uh, there are many pe especially you know all these journalists who are joining the newsrooms uh you know they have a quite a fascinating level of understanding um, of younger audiences who many newsrooms at the moment are trying to reach. They have an incredible level of understanding of all these new platforms uh, that are being used for pretty much everything including distribution. Um, And sometimes they join a newsroom which is basically so set in its ways uh, and they don't have that opportunity to just kind of show off the skills. So that's the unfortunate thing. And that frustrates many uh, journalists. And one of the things, actually, this is kind of a, a side uh, comment. I'm always interested in, you know, whenever newsrooms are making cuts uh, and, you know, firing all these journalists, and I'm always interested in where do these journalists end up? And most of them leave the profession. And the profession gets. Increasingly poorer uh, by losing all this talent, all this institutional knowledge, um, and and that and usually it's because uh, you know we always talk about innovation, and the the unfortunate thing is that we always talk um, you know about innovation about uh, you know kind of like integrating all these amazing shiny things you know drones. Uh, there's now big talk about AI uh, and and all that, but you know the interesting thing, there hasn't been uh, a kind of like um, you know in in kind of like a uh, investment in storytelling, the basics. How do we make our journalist journalism accessible? You know, pick, pick about pick a newspaper for example. We, Read about business, uh, you know, any you know business news and stuff. Read about climate change. It's very like a- esoteric, very niche. You you feel like they are kind of if you're you know a random reader. I think that journal- journalists are basically not telling you, hey, listen, this is an interesting thing, but it's almost like excluding you and telling you. You better be of a certain profile to read our journalism and that for me is just incredible, incredibly upsetting and I've unfair. Yeah yeah everyone's
1: got the right to enjoy a
0: story. No everyone, everyone should have a right to do that and I think one of the things I think we were just talking about uh, my view having spent uh, the time that I've spent <coughs> excuse me in frontline journalism and now retreating. I think especially looking at Africa and knowing, reading about the continent, I think we need, uh, you know, my strong feeling is that journalism in Africa should default into crisis mode. Uh, I think there has been an incredible level of progress on the continent and that's notable and that's great. But many of our people, I mean, look at any human development index. Uh, Our people, uh, you know, health, you know, uh, literacy, uh, access to even, uh, you know, food. Uh, That's where our, you know, majority of our people are. And I think that journalism needs to step up. Uh, We need to step up in terms of, you know, the quality of our national conversation Could be better Uh, you know i came up with this phrase that journalism means the currency uh, that democracy trades with Uh, and 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 the quality of journalism needs to just be uh, better Uh, and and that not not today tomorrow and and next week it consistently has to be better Uh, and and that's only when we can have start producing journalism that hopefully uh you know helps uh, you know lift this continent to the next level yeah.
1: well Dickens you're talking about you know journalism needs to go into crisis mode and I think is that pessimistic but before you respond to that you know you've worked at the BBC for quite some time and you know some of the biggest critics of the BBC and the Western media in general have always um, said that um, you know, Western media has um, created a narrative of uh, suffering Africa, Africa that's poor, that's, uh, you know, that's in war. You know, all the worst stories you can think about, the migrant crises, you know. So um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, do you think these are stories that are genuine and they need to be told that way? You know, what what's your take on that?
0: I think, mm-hmm. has you know, the... Um, I remember actually a while back I was in a, some a conference and somebody asked me pretty much the same question about you know, how should we tell the African story and I said, and I think that's probably my answer now, that when we start talking about the African story, I think it comes with uh, um you know, I think it's kind of baked into uh, preconceived, usually stereotypical tropes about the continent. Uh, now, what is true is that the the so-called African story, the way it should be told, uh, is just like any other story is told because every story is complex, and it's that complexity sometimes that means that is kind of, uh, is deliberately not included, uh, or has just not been included in telling the African story. Hi, Dickens O'Leary here. So at this point in the interview, the recording stopped, uh, but I went on to tell Freni that uh, the quality of national conversations uh, in our countries is directly proportional to the quality of journalism and that's why i believe that journalists need to step up so for example we report that uh, africa is the most impacted uh, continent uh, by climate change uh, despite its low emissions now the question is where are the business technology and political stories that are driving conversation obsessively because this is a crisis uh, of our time um, and and i'm also essentially as well just advocating For journalism that is not just empathetic but also listens that advocates for communities that it covers that is not reactive but perceptive so um, so that's kind of uh, what i said uh, in in the bit of tape that uh, was not captured so once again uh, if you've been listening to this for the past i don't know four or five years that i've been doing this uh, thank you so much um and and thank you for always reaching out uh, for those who have uh, on my socials or uh, when we meet yeah so i'll be sharing details of my next chapter on my social media pages so until next time bye bye and santa sana